With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football fans, and welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is the fourth edition of what we call Joe Talk. Two Joes talking to the American Athletic Conference, and this week we got a lot of games to talk about. It's finally here. Football is back. But first, before we go diving all that, USF already got in the action, and after a slow start, they were able to pull away in that one, so we'll dive into that in a little bit. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Houston situation down there, how their game got canceled, and then then we'll dive into the rest of that. But before we do any of that, let's bring on my co-host, and that is always Joey Brobeck. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Can't wait to talk about finally a bunch of game previews over USF's game last week, so let's get to it. Yeah, this will be a lot easier to uh, talk about between the two of us instead of just a guessing game like we've basically been doing all summer. It'll be a lot more fun. So, like I said, we, uh, we're we going to dive into that USF game. Um, it, was, it was a slow start, to say the least. I uh, was honestly very surprised at how they came out of the gates kind of slow. But, of course, that offense turned it on at some point, and then they became what we thought they would. They blew them out. Didn't cover the spread for those who are into that thing. Just uh, one point short. I was one of those people that was not too happy about that, but that's another conversation for another day. But, Joey, tell me what you thought about that game. And, you know, they come in another uh, pretty easy one coming up this week, too. Well, when I saw it was 16-0 after the first quarter, I, I had to check my phone twice to make sure I was, wasn't dreaming because I, I was very shocked to see USF get off to a slow start against San Jose State. Now, I know it's the first game and whatnot, but to put up put up zero points in the first quarter definitely was surprising. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, like I said, I was sitting around uh, watching that game, and I just couldn't believe my eyes because, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. San Jose State wasn't a team we really thought was going to give them any run for the money, to be honest. We thought it was going to be a blowout a lot sooner, and then maybe towards the end, you know, they would tack on a couple touchdowns, but not that way, not them just coming out of the gate and just blowing them away. But that was a good sports night, actually, you know, just to dive into something different. What, what did you do for the for the Conor McGregor fight? Because that was right after. Yeah, I went to a buddy's house and watched it, and I, I thought, it was, thought it was a good fight. And I, th- I was just glad that it was later so I could see USF kind of figure things out and, catch up but yeah like you said it was it was a good night football's back and i mean couldn't be happier i guess we can kind of start jumping into what's going to happen this week then 
Um, we first want to open it up for, you know, discussion about what's going on in Houston, sad situation going on there. They're getting pounded with rain, and there's more coming. So, obviously, it makes sense that the uh, the two teams, Houston and UTSA, decided to cancel this game. But kind of something that's now been kind of floating around is when is this game going to be replayed? Um, what have you heard about that situation? I've heard both sides of it, I think. As of this point, I don't I don't see it being rescheduled. Uh, there's been a couple scenarios where UTSA switches uh, a game to make way for Houston to play on Houston's bye week later in the season. And I've also heard that they might play after the conference championship game. So nothing's set in stone here. I would be very surprised if they reschedule it. I mean, no offense to use TSA, but for Houston, there's just there's really not a point to reschedule this game. And it, it, obviously, there's bigger problems they have to deal with right now. But I, I don't think that it's going to be rescheduled, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, and that's a shame because that was, uh, well, I guess that's not the proper thing to say considering the circumstances. But this was a game that both programs we're kind of looking forward to to kind of make this maybe you know an in-state rivalry to say the least but I guess we're not going to get to see that which is a shame yeah I agree and like you said it's there's not really a good way to word it because the, obviously we all know there that the flood the flooding is the bigger concern right now and it, it's all about the players and I think coach Applewhite did a good job of of conveying that to everybody who was paying attention to the situation and he said it from the beginning that that he was going to take care of his players and they're going to do what's best for his team their coaches have obviously family back there as well so I think it was a good decision in the end because it didn't seem like the players were going to be ready for a game on Saturday no yeah it's tough to put them in that situation I mean even for I mean even the other team you know it's got to be feel awkward for them to be put in that spot to uh, have to play that game. So we'll see what happens with that going forward. You know, you kind of brought up those scenarios. Once anything comes out, obviously we'll be around to let you guys know. But now let's dive into some real stuff. The real games are here. We've got a whole slate of games to go through. We're going to go through them all, tell you a little bit about what we think. Um, We kind of talked about this before we got started here, but a lot of Thursday night games. Does that shock you a little bit? I, I was surprised. I didn't think that the first week, well, then again, you know, having whatever you want to call last week, I don't know if you call that week zero, but having those five games was really weird, and now there's a bunch of Thursday games. I'm not really sure what to think of it. I, I really prefer when all the games are on Saturday, but, yeah, like you said, there's quite a few games in the AAC and then Army, like we'll talk about, on Thursday. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually kind of a fan of it because it lets us be able to watch more than one. You know what I mean? So I can watch some games on Thursday. I'll be able to watch a few more of those games Friday and then Saturday as well. So I actually don't mind it because sometimes on a Saturday you've got three, four of these teams playing all at once. So I'm actually not uh, not against that at all. But let's dive into those Thursday night games. Then the first one to, to kick off the season, it'll be Florida International at the UCF, and it's at 6 p.m. on CBS Sports. Uh, these two teams played each other last year, and it was uh, a Knights beatdown, a 53-14 to win last year. And this team actually might be better 
UCF team than last year. So tell us what you think about FIU, and then they're getting ready to start the Butch Davis era down there. So what do you think of this matchup? I think it's a tough draw right away for FIU to play a UCF team that many, including you and I, are predicting to do well in, in the AAC. And they won last year 53-14, to 14, I believe, if I recall correctly. And I think UCF is a, a lot better offensively. So they're probably going to score a similar amount of points. It'll just be coming down to the defense. And I think it's a good game for UCF to start with because they have some question marks on the back end of their defense. So if they can just start strong with uh, with a good defensive showing and the offense just gets picks up where it left off last year, then I think that there's no reason why this game should be close. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, I mean, FIU does have a pretty experienced team, but that hasn't translated to many wins for that program down there. And even for Butch Davis, this is the first time he's coaching since 2010, so it's been a long time since he's been on the sidelines himself. Um, you said it. I agree with you that it's uh, it'll, it should be another similar score. Like I said, they scored 53 last year, and they might be better this year. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a similar score like that again. Do you think that spread is low? I saw it was UCF was favored by 17. I don't. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like that was pretty low. I do have that written down here as well. Yeah, it is at 17. I said on the last episode that I do some of the uh, against the spread things for this site, and that is actually one of the ones I really do like. I don't understand why that says that low as well. I thought it would be more 21 area, so I will be talking about that later in the week also. But now we could jump into the next matchup of that night, which is... Austin Pay making a trip to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats. That's at 7 p.m. on ESPN3. Um, no shocker that the Bearcats named Hayden Moore as the quarterback, even though he was a little bit up and down last year, to say the least. But that's who Luke Fickle will go with going into this season. This is an Austin Pay team that has lost 27 straight, 1-45 in, in the last four four years. You know, this Cincinnati team is not not going to be one of the strongest teams, but this should be a game where they can build momentum on for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm interested to see what the Luke Fickle era looks like to begin with. And I think two players, one you mentioned in Hayden Moore, is he's one that we need to see, is he better than last year? Because like you said, he had consistency issues, and he was hurt, which I think led to some of those inconsistencies. But I'm really interested to see how he responds this year now that the starting job is his after an offseason in which nobody really knew who was going to be the starter. The other guy that I really am interested to watch is the running back, Mike Boone. And I think after a disappointing 2016 season, I think his his 2017 season will be key to their success. Yeah, we talked about it in the last episode, too. I am also a fan of Mike Boone, so I will be interested to see how that offense works under Fickle. That Austin Faye team, like I said, they are not a good team. This will be a game where they can really or really establish an offense, if you really want to say that way, and you know, try to make some noise, because they do have a strong defensive line there, too. But diving into the next game, which is arguably probably the best game of the night, 
not just in the conference, but probably for the uh, for the entire college football slate on Thursday, and that is two high-powered offenses in Tulsa going against number 10 Oklahoma State. It's a 7:30 on FS1. They are dubbing this now the Turnpike Classic. This will be the first time they play that under that name, even though they played each other 71 times. I find that to be a little bit weird, but um, best Oklahoma State team that's probably been there in a while. They've got some real big pieces, and Tulsa gets a nice little payday for this game, too, the nice $400 payday. So Tulsa lost a lot of the team from last year that put up a lot of points. Do you expect them to be able to keep pace with Oklahoma State, or is this going to be one of those games where the Big 12 just dominates an AAC team? The biggest question with Oklahoma State is going to be the defense for sure. You mentioned the high-powered offense. Obviously, everybody knows Mason Rudolph, and, his favorite target, James Washington, and we can just go on and on about the offense and how many weapons they have because it's not just those two, and the offense is going to be what carries the Cowboys this season. If Tulsa can get going in the beginning of the, you know, beginning of the game, it, it should mean good things for them. Um, now, they do have some turnover, as we've discussed in the offseason, Quarterback's a concern. We don't really know what that's going to be like, and wide receiver needs some work. But if they can put some points up early against the Cowboys, I I think that Oklahoma State might be worried, but I don't think a shootout is necessarily the best thing. It's probably going to be what happens, but I don't think that Tulsa can keep up to the level that Oklahoma State's going to produce. Yeah, I can't say I don't agree with you there. Um, you brought up the names over there at Oklahoma State. That they're going to be one of the better offenses in the country when it's all said and done. You mentioned James Washington. He is dealing with a little bit of an injury, so we'll, it remains to be seen how much of him we'll actually see. But I think the key for that game is just watch them pound the ball against Tulsa's defense with Justice Hill. That guy, is, he's, he's a real good back. They're going to pound the ball up the middle with him. If this was... Me betting on this one, you take the over in this one for sure because I feel like that one's a little bit way too low. Now, diving into the next one, this will be one of those games that um, I'll probably not change away from the Tulsa-Oklahoma State game for, to be honest. But it's Holy Cross going against UConn, 7.30 on ESPN3. It's Randy Etzel's first game back at UConn but it will be his 145th game as a head coach there. Tell us a little bit about what you think about this matchup going in, because to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about Holy Cross, so I don't know if you do either. Well, they went 4-7 and seven last year in FCS, so that's pretty much all you need to know about them. No offense to them. I think this might be UConn's highest offensive output of the year, um, so that's saying a lot and nothing at the same time, unfortunately. Uh, the defense should be solid, like we probably are going to discuss the whole season, is the defense is going to be good, but what about, what about the offense? And this might be the one game that we don't really have any questions. Um, I am interested to, to see how they do against Holy Cross. Uh, it won't surprise me if they struggle, but it wouldn't surprise me if they dominate this game as well, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but... Either way, I'm not going to be surprised. It'll be interesting to see if Rhett Leslie can get this no-huddle offense that he wants to use to actually work up there 
on any offense will be better than what they had last year, seeing how they were finished dead last and just about on every category. For Holy Cross, this is their first FBS opponent since 2002. And again, just another nice payday for the school, so why not, right? Next on the agenda that night it will be the University of Louisiana Monroe versus Memphis. That's at 9 p.m. on CBS Sports. Memphis is a 16-point favorite in this one. Expect a lot of offense from those guys there. Riley Ferguson and the boys are probably going to win pretty big. Tell us a little bit about what you think about the Warhawks and can they make it a game with the, with this high-powered offense that the Tigers have? Did you say it was 16 was the line? Did I say 16? If I did, I meant to say 26, which was my bad. Okay. Well, I mean, either way, 16-26, I think that's still too low. Um, I think Memphis is just going to blow them out of the water. Now, the strength of Memphis's offense is passing, and last year UM Monroe was surprisingly good in passing defense. They finished 56th in the nation, and safeties Wesley Johnson and Marcus Hubbard had a lot to do with that. So I think that's a matchup that's actually will be interesting to watch. Uh, Riley Ferguson and his favorite target, Anthony Miller, will be definitely testing the secondary, but it's I was surprised to see how good they how good Warhawks were against the pass last year. So I think that'll be something at least to watch in this game. I still think that Memphis is going to blow them out, um, and they don't really belong in this game, I guess I should say. Uh, Memphis should win easily. And to make things worse, they, UL Monroe has to play Florida State next week, so uh, it looks like two beatdowns are coming up to begin the year for them. Yeah, you just brought up that Florida State team. I was going to do the same. Uh, you said it. Two beatdowns to start the year, two high-powered offenses to the Warhacks to start with. Um, and especially since I feel like Memphis still has a bad taste in her mouth coming off that loss to Western Kentucky in the bowl game, so I really think they're going to come out firing just to kind of show everyone to say, hey, that you know that was kind of a fluke. You know, we still are one of the top offenses. We've mentioned them all. We really think that they're going to be one of the, the better teams in this conference and a good shot to be in the conference championship game. Now, that is it for the Thursday night games. Friday night will feature, we're going to go through Navy at FAU first before we dive into, because like we said recently, you know, we're going to do Army on here too, and they play that night, so we will talk about them in a second. But first, it's only fitting that they play on the same night, right? I didn't even realize that until now. Yeah, I didn't realize that either, but yeah, it does definitely make sense just throwing Air Force and we got everybody. Right, they probably do. I just We don't talk about them on this show, but I wouldn't surprise me if they play on Friday too. Um, but, yeah, just to get into it, Navy at Fort Atlantic, Lane Kiffin making his, his debut. And, honestly, what a terrible team to actually have to play in your first game back. I mean, the triple option that the Navy runs is one of the hardest things to defend in the country. And then, you know, he's got to go dive into a next week back in a normal offense. So the midshipmen are a 10-point favorite diving into this game. I really think that Lane Kiffin's really got his work cut out in this in his uh, first game back as a college football head coach. Yeah, I think the ten point spread surprised me a little bit, but like we've mentioned in in the past, we we're we're not too high on Navy this year, so I guess the spread might be might be a good good amount 
Lane Kiffin is walking into something I don't think he's going to be able to handle. Triple option is such a different beast to contain. And FAU is coming off of a season and they gave up 245 rushing yards per game and they were 124th in total total defense. So I don't think that means good things for them at all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if all of that hype and all the talent coming to Kiffin's team will do him any good. And the fact that the spread's 10 makes me think that it's going to be a close game, but the triple option is so hard to stop that I wouldn't be surprised if Navy blows them out either. Yeah, Zach Abbey will be first year as a starter this year after coming in as a uh, backup for injury purposes last year. And he's got some big shoes to fill. We've talked about that a lot. Um, their defense does have some key guys coming back, and Micah Thomas and DJ Palmore, so that's good for them. But they lost their last three games, if you think about it. And it's kind of shocking considering the fact that we just talked about how hard it is to defend that triple options. Yeah, I think injuries had a lot to do with that last year. I know Will Worth hurt, which is why Abby was thrown into the starting role. But I think now that it's it's a new year, there everybody seems to be healthy for them. The defense is going to be good. I think that it's because it's a different year and they've had time to reset and focus on this team. I, I don't see why there should be any struggles. Obviously, the first game, you never know, and the jitters will be there. But I, I still think that Navy takes care of business. Now, Navy couldn't take care of business against Army last year. It was the first time in 15 years that they lost to the Black Knights. They start their season against the Fordham. Army is team point favor with their wishbone offense. They're returning. We talked about the last one. They talked. They're returning a, a bunch of key guys, and Ahmad Bradshaw and Andy Davidson and a, a whole host of other running backs. Fordham is actually one of the stronger teams, believe it or not, in the FCS uh, they are returning 15 returning starters from an 8-3 and three team from last year. Some are saying that this could be one of those games where an FCS team pulls off the upset against an FBS. Do you see that happening here? I don't, but then again, I never really do see those coming, nor does really anybody else other than maybe, you know, if North Dakota State's playing anybody. Uh, Fordham did play Navy last year, so that's because something that Army can use uh, in terms of tape to watch and see what worked for Navy's triple option uh, against this team. Like you mentioned, Fordham Fordham's a strong team from the F FCS ranks, and Army's definitely going to take them serious. So I think with their success from last year and a, a good attitude towards this game, I, I don't see an upset happening, but it's definitely a team that Army has to take seriously. Couldn't have said it better with the comparison that nobody sees the FCS upsets coming. You know, it's actually, just to bring it up, not too long ago was the 10-year uh, anniversary of the App State upset over Michigan, which I feel like almost everybody remembers that game. Just remember it being one of those things I never never will ever forget. Yeah, I agree. It, it definitely surprised me. and it's, I mean, with any upset, it's once it gets to that third quarter and – the underdog is still in it. That's when I think people start really paying attention. And most of the time, you know, the 
the favorite will either pull away or just keep things out of reach. But that game, App State wasn't letting that happen, and the the block field goal and the game was kind of a perfect perfect way to end that game. Now we're going to jump into the Saturday matchups. There is a bunch of those as well, which is what you expect in college football. But the very first one of the day for the AAC teams is the defending champion Laos, and they will travel to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. This will be the first game with Jeff Collins as head coach. Still have no idea who the quarterback will be or quarterbacks because they're saying as many as three potentially play. Just expect a lot of Rykel Armstead running the ball. That's what I would expect from that from them. Uh, but what's really going to come down to is can all that turnover on the defensive line stop a very dominant fighting Irish O-line and a very good running back in Hart. Or or Adams, I should say. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, Josh Adams is a big guy. I think it's going to be tough for Temple to bring him down. The other question that I have is who is going to stop uh, Equinemius St. Brown on the outside? Temple secondary is good, but St. Brown's also very good. So I think that's one matchup I'm very excited to watch because Temple's Temple's safeties at least are two of the best in the country, and, and St. Brown's one of the best receivers. So I think if they can stop Adams and, like you said, that offensive line from dominating the game and forcing the pass, they have a, a first-year starter in Brandon Wimbush, and that's no guarantee that he's going to succeed, especially after a 4-8 season with Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, now you have a freshman quarterback taking over, and I think even though there's a lot of turnover uh, for Temple, I think that they can still hang in this game. Yeah, I said Hart right there. Totally was still thinking about that Michigan game. When I said <laughs> that. That's totally still thinking about that. But you said it, that Josh Adams is going to have a very strong line to go behind. They do have a new quarterback. You just brought it up because Don Kaiser actually is now the starter for the Cleveland Browns, which I think was – not really a shock, to be honest, because they don't know what the hell they're doing over there. But me and you, we kind of talked about this earlier as a thing between the two of us. Um, I did a little something with One Foot Down, which is the Notre Dame site at SV Nation. We did a little Q&A with each other. But then I also noticed that they also do a podcast. And the name of their most recent one is Temple is a Soup Cupcake. Where have they been on this Temple team that is now one – 10 games, two years in a row, and is now a defending champion. I understand they don't have the prestige of Notre Dame, but this is a Notre Dame team that won four games last year. Yeah, I listened to the podcast, Lodo. You and I had talked about that, and you seemed pretty fired up about those comments. So I took a listen, and it sounds like uh, it sounds like they're not super serious about it, but at the same time, you can tell that they want to just look past Temple. And I think a lot of fans are going to do the same because no one really pays attention to the group of five and a lot of fans are just going to ignore that Temple's on the schedule and they'll assume that that Notre Dame's just going to run through them and it's not even going to be a problem. Um, but I think that they're in 
for a rude surprise. I'm not going to say that Temple's going to win the game because I I don't think they have the talent to keep up with Notre Dame, but I think that the game will be closer than most fans think. Yeah, I don't think that Temple is going to win this game either, and I don't think it's going to be the same game that like it was the last time these two teams played on Halloween in front of college game day a couple of years ago. But this team is still a talented bunch. You know, Notre Dame might run away with it late, but this is not a game to be calling a cupcake. A cupcake was Stanford versus Rice the other day. That's what you call a cupcake game. Temple is not that t- that team anymore. They were maybe 15, 20 years ago, but they're no longer that team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the holy cow, Stanford and Rice, what a joke. I don't even know why that game was even played still. Plus 31 for Rice was just still way too low for me. It could, it could have been plus 62, and I probably would have still taken over on that. Yeah, I fell for that trap. <laughs> I fell for that trap. Thought maybe Rice could score at least a couple points. But speaking of a team that did score points, we talked about USF a little bit earlier. They take on another. This is a cupcake. You want to call it a cupcake? This is a cupcake. They're playing Stony Brook. They played them season. They won 59-10. Again, cupcake. That's a cupcake. What do you think of this game? Um, just obviously, it's just another game for USF to just on their way to what they hope is a uh, undefeated season. I'm hoping it's another 59-10 game because if they start out down 16-zip again, I'm really going to have concerns about this team. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, they definitely need to start faster than... They did in the first game. You can't put up zero points in the first quarter, especially against a team that they should beat soundly. I think, for me, the defense needs to show me more. Now, we can't learn a ton from just beating up on a team that's inferior to them, but I do think that they at least need to show that they can dominate uh, an inferior opponent. So as long as they can start fast and Quentin Flowers does his thing, I think there's no reason why this game shouldn't be over by halftime. Yeah, for Stony Brook, kind of brought up a cash grab earlier. They get 425000 for this game, the largest in school history. Why not take a thumping for that kind of money, right? Exactly. Now, another FCS team that it will be playing, a FBS team, will be JMU going to ECU. And JMU is a favorite in this game, believe it or not. The game is at 6 p.m. on ESPN3. JMU did suspend six players for this game for violating the team rules. Um, they are the defending champions in the inferior, if you want to call it that. But in this game, they look to be the, the better team. Um, they're looking to get their first win over an SBS team since 2015. Can JMU actually do it? I'm going to pick them just because uh, I think ECU is just not very good this year. Like you mentioned, they won the F- JMU at won the FCS title last year, returned 13 starters, and even though those six players are suspended, I think they have the talent to do it. And this is definitely not the game that ECU thought it was going to be when they originally scheduled it. So I'm, you know, I I don't really need to look at the matchup very long. I'm just going to take James Madison and and we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, when we did our previews for this, we kind of said that uh, ECU this could be the one game that they do get a win, and 
they're the underdog here. So curious to see how the season shapes out. Uh, it's not looking like it's going to go off to a great start if you judge what they're saying in Vegas. And if they're doing this to them against JMU, you can only imagine what they do to them the rest of the year. Um, to move on to the next game of the weekend, it will be Stephen F. Austin going against the SMU Mustangs. That game will be at 7 o'clock on ESPN3. I thought it was a really cool thing that SMU is offering free tickets to anyone that was affected by the hurricane. I think that's an awesome awesome gesture by them. Um, but as far as on the field goes, expect to see a lot of Ben Hicks to Cortland Sutton. Tell me what you think of matchup. You know, this is an F, this is a Stephen F. Austin team that had serious quarterback issues. They couldn't barely completed 50% of passes last year. How big does SMU run away with this one? Uh, first, uh, I just I also agree that it's great that SMU is offering those tickets for for anybody that's affected. I believe Baylor's doing the same thing for for their first game. Uh, even all the uh, equipment staffs around the nation have been sending shirts and shoes to, to Houston to do that. So I, I like that everybody's coming together for a good cause. Um, in terms of the game, I mean, Stephen F. Austin had issues, like you said, last year. They went 5-6 and six in the FCS, so I don't, I don't see how this game's even close. SMU's defense needs to show up. Uh, they're going to score a... I wouldn't be surprised if they score 50, 60 points, but my question is how many are they going to give up? Defense, like we've been talking about, has not been good, especially last year, and the the deficit for CMF Austin is just going to be determined if they, by how many points they can score against the Mustangs' defense. Yeah, obviously we've talked about that, that their defense will be the wild card for that team going in the year. They're going to have a deadly offense. We know that for sure. It's just going to be whether the defense can make any stops to make them competitive in a very, very good Western division in the AAC. And then to round out the slate of games for this weekend in the AAC, it is Grambling State going against the Tulane Green Wave BTM also on ESPN3. Again, another FCS team going against the Tulane team. Grambling State is a pretty solid squad. They won 12, 12 uh, games last year. Got a pretty solid quarterback. Tulane is bringing in a new quarterback and hoping that he, and that quarterback is Jonathan Banks, and they're hoping that he can run the offense that Willie Fritz wants to get going there. Tulane is a surprising 18-point favorite here. I think that game is going to be a lot closer than that. I agree. Uh, Grambling State won 11 and one last year, which I, I didn't realize that, so that made me uh, second-guess my original thought about this game. They played Arizona last year, and at halftime they were up 21 to three, which that just blew me away. And they ended up losing 31-21. So uh, Wade Choke is. Pretty much all I'll say about that, but Tulane is definitely uh, definitely have their hands full this this in this game. Like you said, I think Banks will be a big dif- big difference in the game. Uh, I think now that he's running the offense, that the Green Wave might actually have some sort of an offense. The defense will be just fine. Uh, it'll just be a matter of if they can score points. Now we've got eleven teams in the AAC that will play. Obviously, the situation in Houston will make it so that they cannot play. 
we've gone through how many wins as a conference do they get, seeing as how all these games are out-of-conference games. Of the 11, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with nine. I think that James Madison beats ECU, and I think Notre Dame beats Temple. Wow. You like Tulsa, too? Oh, oh I just thought Tulsa. <laughs> I was like, whoa, let me, whoa, I don't know about that one. Uh, yeah, let me, hold on. All right, I'm going to start I'm that gonna over. Go, I'm going to yeah. say eight. I'm going to go with eight as well. I think it's a safe bet. I feel like we're going to say that number almost every week, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anything else you want to talk about on this one? No, I'm good. It's uh, it's just good to have football back and a full slate of games, actually. And like, I mean, now that you mentioned it, there's you know they play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so it's three three days of football that you get to watch. So I have nothing to complain about. Yep, and the NFL is not too far behind. Fall is almost here. I hate to say the summer's almost over, but fall is almost here. Um, I guess now we can wrap this up. Uh, make sure you are following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we've got a lot going on now that the season is getting underway. There's nonstop news coming out for us day in, day out. We've got previews for every game, how to watch, where to watch, all those things. Uh, make sure you're following me and Joey on Twitter if you're not already. Leave the Underdog Podcast reviews if you haven't already as well. And until next time, Joey, I'll talk to you next week, and hopefully the AAC gets 10 wins, higher than that eight total we said. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens.